Rebel HR listeners, if you didn't catch the first part of the discussion with Kapreet Man, please go back and listen to last week's podcast episode. This is part two of Gupreet Man, the HR superhero. This is the Rebel HR Podcast. If you're a professional looking for innovative, thought-provoking information in the world of human resources, this is the right podcast for you. Rebel on, HR Rebels. I've been in this, I've worked in so many various companies, and one thing that drove me to do um, become and run my own HR consulting company was this, the fact that never valued. No matter how much I produced, no matter how much HR did, it was never actually, I had one, actually, there was only one company where I would say I was recognized and valued properly, but pay was no. Pay was I was never valued. I was in the management team where male managers, um, for different managers, like I was doing only HR manager, but if I'm part of the management team for a facility, whereas production manager, material manager and stuff, they were all aligned with making 85K. I'm making 65K. My responsibilities, and I'm only one person, where they had a team from supervisors to team leaders, but in HR, for that facility, it was just me. And we are normally, you know, when company looks at cutting costs, I can be wrong, but my experience, it's always HR to go first. That's where they lean it out. <laughs> and it's like, great, I get it, but I'm how much can one person deal with the amount of paperwork in HR? Because we're also responsible for documentations, paperwork, having proper paperwork. Doing paperwork, doing hiring. So I did everything. Hiring, when there's hiring needs, uh, employee relations, management meetings, uh, champion the culture, and you name it, right? Imagine going on vacation. Oh, my God, I knew I couldn't take proper time off because I knew if I take even a day off, I'm coming back to, like, workload, huge workload. No one to step in to do your job because it's a HR confidential information not everyone can just cover you right but that's one of the factors that really motivated me and I did take two years off which I was telling you prior to um, us recording this podcast was that there was eventually a point in my career in 2013 where I was like I had enough like I'm done like I'm done being not properly valued for what I like for the work I do as HR properly not being recognized probably not getting paid properly for the amount of work that I have done and then and in every company like I've seen this where HR doesn't properly get valued yes things have changed now but I'm talking back then and then I did mentally I needed a break I was mentally exhausted from HR and then managers want their employees to perform better or do better but then they didn't realize that they're projecting their behavior onto them they didn't want to change it was just so much like got to me to the point where I was like I need a break and I took a break for two years (laughs) and I came back yeah right um so I think that we are all I I can be wrong but I feel like a lot of times HR is the last people to actually get recognized What's your take? Yeah, and I, th- yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's a, I think it's a fair point in general. I think that 
I've been very fortunate that in my organizations, HR has been considered a a critical business support function, more of a more of a business enabler as opposed to uh, you know uh, just a back office administrative function. And so, you know, so I I, I would say my career has been um, you know relatively blessed in that regard, where I I have I have always had that you know quote seat at the table. Um, mm-hmm. just, just by product of the organizations that I've worked for. And so I'm very fortunate in that, in that aspect, but I, I would say that one general theme that I see with HR with, with some of my various team colleagues, some peers that are in the industry that are just wonderful people, they're not wonderful self-advocates. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things where HR, a lot of times we are advocating for for you know our employees or advocating for a manager that needs our support to get something you know something done but a lot of times we forget we also need to be focused on our on ourselves and on our own function and and you know celebrate some of our wins which is where i think you know that's one of the wonderful things about starting this podcast and starting to build out a network beyond just my local community is you know there there are so many wonderful people doing wonderful things out there that the kind of the HR tribe, um, has been my go-to to, to, uh, you know, connect with and feel valued. And, but ultimately I do, I do think it comes down to the right organization, mm-hmm. the right management structure. And in those organizations where it's not, maybe you don't have that seat at the table yet, but you're close about having the you know, leveraging your emotional intelligence to go and advocate for yourself to be included in that meeting where they're discussing, you know, executive compensation and bringing up something along the lines of pay equity by gender, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, asking a, asking a specific question in a management meeting about talent selection processes that you feel like don't make sense, you know, or, overly bureaucratic processes that we need to creatively destruct and rebuild so that they, so we don't have these silly termination protocols and we don't have the risk of somebody, you know, being surprised when they get Mm -hmm. let go, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I just think there's so many areas of the business that we can impact and it's really hard. It's really hard if we can't advocate for ourselves to impact those things and, and, and I think the other really big challenge is if you're in HR and you make an impact in less than six months, you are an exceptional person. <laughs> I, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, the, it's so right hard. <laughs> you're trying. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're working through others. You typically we have small teams, so it's like you're doing everything through other people. So if, if you are making a change, you are an influencer. Good job. That's what I mean by recognition is that, we're always, depending on the company, right? I'm not talking about um, like big guys like Deloitte or Amazon and stuff. These guys are like Canadian Tire in Canada. Um, like I'm not talking about the big Fortune 500 companies who have the proper channels and proper functions of HR into specialists. I'm talking about like the smaller companies like manufacturing companies, you know, the lean out, like I've worked in manufacturing to know that like, you know, like use this very lean uh, in HR is like lean. Um, and, and you doing so much by yourself and 
now going back to getting the seat on the table, I've I have you know as much as I'm painting a different like I was painting a different picture of not being valued. I can't say I, I wasn't valued because uh, I've always had a seat on the table, as right from the beginning of my career. HR assistant, I end up getting invited to the table, and and I think the uh, the reason I was always invited to the seat of the table was because I'm not a traditional HR. I don't come from that background. I have a business degree in IT management, uh, which made me, you know, the degree that I have is all about how to utilize IT in the business uh, world to make it more efficient. So because my entire degree is all about being efficient and creating processes, uh, automation and all that stuff, I was able to do that in all my roles was I brought that to the table and analyze everything that I kind of just naturally was invited, even as an assistant. That was a big thing to assistant. Who wants someone's assistant at the table, right? But I was invited. And, and, and the director gave me one big compliment. She goes, um, you know, like obviously a few months into it, and she goes, I have to recognize you for something. Uh, First, you take initiative. You don't wait for someone to come and tell you what to do. You actually know everything, and then you go tell people what to do, including managers. She goes, by the way, speaking of managers, you actually know more about the production employees than the production manager or the supervisor from their set skills and all that stuff. And so she gave me the, the biggest compliment that just made me keep going at what I'm doing. One thing I've learned over the years, and I'm maybe mo mostly more when I became an entrepreneur is that one thing I do see a lot of majority of HR people lacking is data, like not, not using numbers to speak the business language. In the end of the day, it's all about numbers, right? If we're going to yeah. go and have a seat at the table, we can go and say, well, the law says this or the policy says this. No, that stuff doesn't matter because in the end of the day, the business is in the business to make money. Now, how do you flip a turnover? You can't go to a meeting and say, turnover is bad. Okay, why? <laughs> why is it bad? Um, and then it's like, I don't know, but people are leaving. It's bad, right? You can't go to a meeting and say turnover is bad. You got to go to the meeting and say, hey, listen. And by the way, I learned a lot of stuff when I became an entrepreneur, how to use numbers, how to and use the numbers to quantify cost. So let's say like a turnover. One client of mine didn't even, you know, when it comes to turnover, it's amazing how I many people don't realize they have turnover. No, no, no. We're great. Company's great. I'm like, okay. Uh, run some numbers quickly and you're like no no this is how many people are leaving you every month and this is how many hiring you're doing all your hires are just replacement I go by the way last year every month you've lost this many employees and this how many new hires you were hiring but there were just new hires to replace somebody your cost is x here I'll calculate it for you I actually calculated every employee that left the organization um, and I calculate the cost because this is how much it costs you to lose all these uh, all these employees. Uh, new, the research suggests it's about 150%. This is back in 2016, 17. So the cost is actually a bit higher now, but 150%, 150% of a person's ending salary. So let's take this person's salary. Now, to, times about 150, because this is how much it costs you. So I broke down the cost and I showed the numbers is 1 million. One point something million. The owner's face was just like, what? I'm like, yeah. And you thought you didn't have turnover. <laughs>
I'll go, but let's break it down to numbers, right. right? When you start bringing down to numbers, it's it's the best way to get a buy-in is when you start talking numbers and figures, hey, you know, this this many people left, this is your turnover, but each person leaves your organization, this is how much is costing you. And this is how much your cost is, but we can save all this cost by implementing, here's some suggestions, boom, boom, boom. Like, or like I've done various different implementations when it comes to turnover, but there's so many strategies to tackle turnover. But if you want the seat on the table, you got to start talking business. You got to start talking numbers. And I think a lot of HR can do this. What is the return on uh, investment right. on each employee? How many HR people actually can sit there and calculate ROI on each employee in the company? I don't know that many people. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's such a such a critical point that you know the the language of business um, is money, and, and and money is communicated through financial statements. So you better have a good handle on some of these terms. You don't need to be a a cost accountant, but you do need to understand the the principles. And you know, one of the things that served me well was actually going to business school. Uh, and being in operations before I got an HR role. So, you know, I kind of learned what it's actually like to lead a team of 50 plus people and try to hold the operation together with bubble gum and scotch tape and, <laughs> and hope it doesn't fall apart. Like, you know, you don't really get the feeling for what that's like until you're actually in the trenches doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, but But you also learn how, yeah, you learn how to interpret financial data and turn that into some, uh, something that you can then take an action off of. And a lot of times it's interesting, I would say, I don't know what your experience is, but my experience is a lot of times intuitively, we we kind of know the right thing to do, Yeah. but that's not how everybody else's brain works. So sometimes we have to bring everybody else along for the ride because we're, you know, our, our gut is telling us to go this way um, and they need the data to prove that we need to go this way. And then there are times where my intuition's been wrong and I've assumed one thing and then you pull the data and you're like, oh, wow, if I root cause and al analyze turnover um, reasons, I'm, I'm looking in the wrong in the wrong area. I need to go over here mm -hmm. and modify this program and something's broken in, you know, comp yeah. and benefits or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to you've got to figure that out. And if you if you're early in your career and you're trying to figure out how to get, you know, some credibility you know, go, go learn how to read a financial statement or make friends with an accountant. You know, they, they typically, uh, they, they love, uh, you know, sharing. Um, I, I think they're kind of similar to HR sometimes where they do really, really critical work, mm -hmm. but very underappreciated. So go make friends with an accountant and, you know, usually you can be a good dynamic duo. <laughs> I would, I would go a step further. I would, um, finance is great numbers to have, but even finance, people can't calculate the cost of each employee leaving your organization. Because again, finance is more of revenues coming in minus expenses, right? So I would say take a step further and take data analysis courses. Because in the end, it's all about analyzing data. And then you got to convert that into cost. So, and I have this because of my degree. Um, I'm able to analyze data and analytical. I think the most important skill that it doesn't matter if you're HR, I think everyone should have, have analytical skills. And I think I've seen this over the years. Um, 
And now if we're just going to talk about HR, I think that's where I, in my 15 plus years of HR career, I've worked with so many different HR people. And one of the things I've noticed was that typically speaking, HR lacks analytical skills, data analyticals. Um, some don't even know the laws impacting them for whatever city or country you work in. I've seen um, tech, IT not being properly used. Um, so, and I had all these skills because of my degree, thank God. <laughs> right. Thank God for my degree. IT, IT background. <laughs> yeah, I have an IT management degree. And, but I would say from my career, here's what I've seen where typically where I've seen HR fall short on is, and I'm, I'm just using some examples from what I've seen is and where my relationships with people were so different compared to other HR people was, and I'm going to give a one perfect example. I was going to cover this person's mat leave. So I had like two or three weeks with her. She did not, her and then the director of operations were just boom, butting heads. Like there's no tomorrow. So she obviously didn't get along with him. He didn't like, they didn't get along. Um, and I was the one that's going to place her. And I was like, he doesn't like HR. He's not going to like me, right? Uh, but then what I noticed was the little bit I started paying attention a little bit, I noticed why the, the, the friction was there. And then what I, I love what the director did, though. I give him full credit. He sat me down and said, you're going to be replacing her. We're going to be working together for 18s, whatever odd months. Um, I don't want you to see me as how my relationship with her is. My relationship with you is going to be different. My relationship with her is different. So I love the fact that he sat down and had this open, candid conversation with me. When I started working with him, so she left on Madly. When I started working with them, what I realized was the reason there was a friction between them two was that she never saw her role as a consultant. She saw more of it like policing, policing, right? No, we can't do this because this is a policy. No, we can't do this. Like, no, 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 no. But our job isn't to say no. Our job is to say, okay, let's discuss this. So look at the pros and cons of each situation. If you want to do this, here's the pros, here's the con, and here's what the the law says. So that's where the pros and cons comes in, right? If you're going to go this way, then this is what's going to happen. If you go this way, this is what's going to happen. As an expert in HR, here's my best advice to you. But I, in the end of the day, you are the decision maker. Whatever decision you make, we support you, right? So I never did that. I didn't go into any of the meetings. I never said policy says. I think I hate policies. I don't know what <laughs> policy is. It's like I'm it's with you. The most ridiculous document. Ever. I don't know if it's because we're from ops or or what, but it's like I think that's what it is, right? It's like policies suck. <laughs> I get we I get it like rules and all that stuff but why do and I worked in manufacturing uh, a union okay so yeah. union the that's oh, the yeah. bible right but my page is, union handbook that's <laughs> that's what I I called it bible yeah. <laughs> bible Ooh. handbook right but and I've also worked in non-union to when you uh, maybe that's what it is I worked in union I worked in non-union to know hey listen the best solution is always to be human look at the situations and analyze them and look at the pros and cons of decision making if you take this decision here's the pros and cons if we take this decision here's the pros and cons right 
And I had a great relationship with that director of ops. We were like partners in running the facility. He wanted to keep me when she was coming back from yeah. that leave. He's like, I don't want her. I want her. I want her. We <laughs> yeah. And also, we that's were, not awkward at all. <laughs> we were able to turn this facility around that was a making company money. Having a strong a leadership team that works well together is also, we were called the dream team, me, him, two other managers, right? We turned the facilities around. And that's, I, that's to me, is the most crucial part of HR is we are the experts in people management. We managing, we are managing the number one asset of the business, people, talent. Without talent, companies right. can cripple. Company can't make money without people, right? Com businesses are only good as the talent they have. And we are considered the experts. You got to see yourself as an expert of managing people. Now, managing people is not about policies. I don't care. Like, you right. can constant say, but the policies is, I never, any me, I never said the policy said X. I said, no, okay, let's have a discussion. Let me see. Let's put our heads together and solutions and all that stuff. You know what? One thing I realized about policies, one of the policies I actually do hate, and this is only because of my own personal experience, when my dad died. And I'm self-employed, so I don't have policies. <laughs> so I can take whatever time I needed. But it made me think, I'm like, if I was an employee, I would only get maybe five days of reverment. And if I want to take additional time off, I have to go unpaid. Yeah. And then you have to show or use when, up your and the doctor notes. And, yeah. Like if I want to go short term leave or whatever, you have to produce all these doctor yeah. notes and all that stuff. I'm like the most ridiculous policy. I've always found mm. reverment or someone wants to take a day off. Um, you know, I, I'm an in, I'm Indian, and but many cultures have where you're close to like we consider everyone family. Like it's not second cousin, third cousin. It's just family, right? I remember reading policies when I first got to HR when it came to briefment, and I was looking at it. If your uncle dies, you only get one day. I'm like, but my uncle's my family. It's like my dad or yeah. like, you know what I mean? That's when I was like, oh, this policy to me doesn't make sense because how you are now classifying relationships. What if I'm close? Like if my friend died now, I only get a date, but that's my friend. It could be like the relationship you have. So that's what I think that's where I started to like, yeah, policies don't make sense. So we got to treat people with yeah. as human and policies to me. I, I understand why we need them. It's like a rule guide, but your first instinct shouldn't be when someone comes to talk to you is, but our policy says, and I see a lot of, yeah. on my career, I've seen, this is where I've seen where some downfall of HR can happen is if your first initial, uh, first instinct is just to say policy. You're not yeah. going to build any relationship successfully with any manager is to say, but our policy says this. Uh, or with employees. Second thing I've seen in my career is why some people are not successful in HR roles is you can't sit at a desk and then dictate to people what the change is going to be. That's impacting them. You have to learn to get out of, and uh, I get it, we can't do this in pandemic, uh, but you should be building relationships even on frontline employees. Any company I worked for, every employee knew me. 
because I made that time and effort to get out on the floor. If it's manufacturing, put my safety shoes on, hard hat on if it required. And I was on the floor talking to employees, getting to know them, getting their job, getting to know their job, showing my face every single day. People knew me. And that was one of the things every employee recognized me for is like, we actually see you. Where previous HRs, we never saw them. Unless right. there was a problem, then we saw them. And then, right. then then, that's the image you get, right? Of HR is like, oh, HR is coming to see us. I'm in trouble. Here comes the Grim Reaper. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But I with get, yeah, me. I, I, I hear that. <laughs> but with me, uh, obviously, beginning might seem like that. But when they keep seeing me every day, two, three, four hours on the floor talking and getting to know whatever, talking to people, looking at their jobs and understanding the process and all that stuff. The more I spend time on the floor, the more people realize, oh, cool. She's just there, right? Like it wasn't like, oh my God, we got to hide. Here comes HR. (laughs) I think it's such a, yeah, it's such a great point. And it, um, you know, to, to go back on, you know, policies in, in general, I, so I I hate policies and, and I mean this is going to sound maybe a little bit you know controversial but you know policies and regulations are there because somebody did something bad mm-hmm. right they they're, they're a totally reactive approach to managing human behavior yep and while there needs to be some sort of guardrails in place and like you can't it can't be a free for all you know there's a word for that it's called anarchy like you can't you can't have that but it, it needs to be more focused on process. You know, the the process of how you manage others shouldn't be going immediately to a policy manual to determine yeah. your approach. The process should be built around the human experience and the employee experience and the and what the business objectives are yeah. as opposed to well, what does the policy say? I mean, I I can't tell you how many policies have just been the stupidest things and I've had to execute them because they're the policy. You know, and it's just like and I've, I mean, I've had to terminate people because of a stupid attendance policy, but because of the policy and the requirement to be consistent in an extremely large manufacturing setting, I didn't have any choice, you know, and, and guess what we did? Then we would change the policy next year because we realized it was stupid and we fired good people, you know, and it's like, like those kinds of those things, yeah. like they leave a mark, right? See, like that's where it, you, it just sucks. <laughs> that's where you step in and say, no. Um, see, that's what I've done. I don't look at policies. I look at the individual and, and okay, why did you miss work? What's going on? Like have those, like, don't be afraid to talk. And you learn something about a person, especially if someone has good attendance, it's not their nature to be missing work. And if they are, there's something wrong. Um, there's something up, right? And that's the human nature. So if, let's say, um, you have those conversations, an employee is struggling. One time an employee was struggling with something. And I said, okay, so here's what I want you to do. Um, we have an employee assistance program. Speaking of employee assistance program, one of the things that's never properly uh, implemented. People don't even know if they have it. Um, and you know, talking to employee and saying, you, here's what you can do. Here's the help. Take it, use it. That's when I realized how many employees didn't even know they had that part of the benefits package is employee assistance program. Just having a conversation. I've never 
I'm not I'm not lying when I say this. I've never when an employee approaches me, my first instant isn't policy. My first instance is let's have a talk and see what's going on with this employee. Um and the human aspect, right? Like we're we are human beings. We can have so many different things going on in our lives. Now we're gonna punish somebody because maybe they're going through a financial crisis, maybe they, they're going through a mental health. Right. And no, I, my policy isn't. No, I don't care what the company policy says. And I would be damned if I let a hiring manager terminate an employee because of a, com- a company policy. I've stepped in a lot places, even as an HR assistant. <laughs> I stepped it. I stepped up to a, a, a manager who knew hires were hired, praised them, loved them. Legitly, like next week, like I want to terminate four of them. And I was like, why? Oh, they're not performing. I go, okay, let's talk about it. No, but they're not performing. Like, let talk to me. Like, how, what do you mean? Like last week they were performing great. So what happened? And what's, so walk me through what, what happened? What action did you take? And then we used to give them a kit that they fill out. Go, show me that. And he's like, no, but I don't have it. I'm like, well, too bad. You can't terminate them. So he didn't like the fact that I'm saying no to him. Obviously, then he went to my boss and he's like, no, she's right. Like, give us the papers, right? Like, what's your reasoning behind terminating someone like four employees that you praised last week? And now all of a sudden you want to terminate them because they're not doing something you told them to do or whatever the case is. Right. Um, Then he went to his boss. And she's like, no, she's right. You can't just terminate. She is right. So obviously he didn't like me after that pretty much because they yeah. an assistant stepped up to another manager, right? But that's the thing. We, we yeah. You have to, though. Like, you have to. There are times where people are reactive. Managers are not perfect either. There will be situations that are going to just react. But our job isn't to be like, okay, let's do this because the manager wants to do it. It's like, no, okay, walk me through what's going on. There's all, I, I feel like the communication or talking is the most underutilized tool that no one does. And it's one of the most simplest tools to use. And it's cost saving and it, it, it can save organizations so much money. Recruitment's a cost. Replacing employees is a cost. And if you have a good employee, you know, you can tell which one's a good employee and which one's not. It's not that hard to recognize a good good versus a toxic. Like toxic, I say go. Like tomorrow today, let's leave like I believe one toxic employee can ruin everything for every employee and that's where like that is where one area where I was like no 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 the faster you remove a a toxic employee the better it's going to be for the organization but overall no my policy I've never ever 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 terminated somebody just because the company policy said it no because each situation is different policies are great to have no problem framework but that's not that is not there for you to just say Policy says this, so I'm going to write you up. Policy says this, so I'm going to terminate you. I've never done that. No. No. Yeah, well, I, 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 I wish I could agree with you, but I, I can't. I, I, I have I have terminated people purely because of, a, you know, a specific policy violation. And, um, you know, and, and I think that. Um, oh, but you're in the U.S. You know, where I'm at in my career now. Um, you're in the U.S. Yeah, so- yeah, I'm in the U.S. So I I should highlight something in Canada. It's employee friendly. Courts are also employee friendly. So terminating employee also means 
they're gonna go sue you <laughs> and you might be on the hook to pay them a lot of money so let me also disclaimer that um in, in canada we are employee friendly the court's always gonna 90 percent of the time 99 percent of the time courts will always side with the employee so that's that's the other mindset that i have is um that's where i am not like I'm, you can't be black and white because you can right. make a black and white decision they will go to the courts and file a suit against you for servant severance and all that stuff you end up spending a lot of money on on uh, lawyers and all that stuff and in the end of the day you might be uh liable to pay because our our, our courts are in us yes you guys a little bit different except for california yeah and i think uh, great you know great uh you know, you made this point earlier. You you need to be, you need to understand the regulations in yeah. your local jurisdiction in order to make, you know, make effective decisions and be a good HR partner. Um, yep. I would say the the U.S. is interesting. There's um, the, most employment is at will, so people can leave an employer for any reason. Employers can technically terminate for almost any reason as long as it's not discriminatory. Where the kind of the fear in the HR uh, world uh, in the U.S. comes from is people who claim discrimination because you didn't fire somebody uh, and you fired them. And so that is why, you know, that's why following the policy is critical in the U.S. Mm -hmm. but yeah, we have, you know, our locations in the EU and in China and um, and uh, the U.K. very, you know, drastically different. You, you have to be. You have to be mindful of those local laws, or yeah, you're gonna get in hot water. Yeah, Talk right. About yeah. ROI when it's you know multi-million dollar lawsuit, the ROI mm -hmm. goes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was gonna ask. Um, <laughs> uh, in in U.S., I know California uh, is very similar to Canada. Like us, it's employee friendly. Even even in Canada, it is at will. Like you can, any employer can terminate anybody, but you have to uh, fill the legal requirements and. So under common law, and this is where I highly recommend, this is why I highly recommend HR to, you know, take law courses around employment law. I have, um, I took it through uh, a really well-known um, law school here and they had an, they actually, it was, when I took it, it was a fairly new program that was created in partnership with the HR Association here in Toronto. It's called the HR Law Certificate. And it, it really, really benefited me. And I highly recommend it to every HR professional out there that, you know, educate yourself on employment laws, attend employment lawyers, webinars, a lot of them do them for free because there's so many decisions uh, that goes into the court. So in here in Canada, you know, and I think U.S., same thing. But here, I'm just going to talk on Canada because I don't really know too much about U.S. law, except for California, I do. But other than that, I don't really know. But here in Canada, like in Ontario especially, also across Canada, but I'm just going to talk Ontario for an example. Like if you're going to, you can terminate, anyone can terminate anybody, right? Any employer can terminate any employee. But the thing is you have, to, there is a, a legal requirement, uh, minimum requirement under Employment Standards Act, so that's one governing party. But then there's case laws, common law. And common law looks at the age of the employee, the likelihood of them securing that same role at the same pay. Now, yeah. if, if we're taking that into consideration, depending on the age and how likelihood they are, the company is liable to pay that piece. 
that's where the cost drives yep. comes in. It's not with the Employment Standards Act, which is very bare minimal. Uh, but this component is where you get in trouble. And a lot of companies get in trouble with this one because they don't know it. They don't know. They don't know. Right. They end up just doing the bare minimum. It's like, no, no, no. And I, I'm not going to sit there and act like I knew this piece either. I didn't know until I did the law certificate, which was taught by lawyers. And then I really got fascinated with law. So the amount of law I know in employment, I, I, I should be a lawyer. <laughs> and I see this all the time. I'm like, but it makes you a good HR professional. Uh, to anybody that wants to have a competitive advantage in the HR field, I think you should know the law inside out. And that's why having those strategic partnerships with lawyers, attending employment law uh, webinars is important. Imagine terminating somebody in the pandemic. You're liable. I have a client right now that's looking. It was in a termination, but they're looking at certain situations and they may have to let somebody go. And one employee's been in the round with the company for 30 plus years. I'll go, I just want to say one thing. You letting this employee go, making any changes in their employment status, you're on the hook for X amount because one, the age, he's 70. And then we have another thing in Canada, in Ontario, that you don't have to retire at 65. So this employee's been with the company for seven, um, 30 plus odd years, plus he's 30, a uh, 70, sorry, not 30, wish he was 30. He's 70. Who is going to hire him? I go, you are kind of like in this very sticky situation because if you make any changes to his employment contract, his contract and his employment status, it's considered constructive dismissal. A lot of companies actually don't know this is when you start making changes into an employee's job, job description, it can be seen as constructive dismissal, right? Everything is fine and dandy until the employer goes, uh, you terminate the employee. And then that's when the sour relationship happens. I call it going sour. And I always say this to my clients, listen, my job is to educate you and tell you and give you a clear picture. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying everything is fine and dandy until you terminate the employee. And then, yes, when you terminate, the relationship goes sour. It's human nature. And everybody should be looking at their best interests. And, yes, they're going to go get an employer lawyer. And then you're on the hook for X, Y, and Z. So that's determined. That's why I never – my policy has never been to push termination. I'm not somebody that X employees – I've never been that. And then more so once I got my law education, um, more so it's, that definitely went, like was last thing on my radar. is like, no, 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 you got to figure X, Y, and Z. and that's why I say, like, you, uh, to be a good uh, HR, my best advice to younger HR professionals or, or senior or anybody, I always say, listen, I know people go after designations and all that stuff. Great. No problem. I go, but one thing that has benefited me, I don't have a designation, but I would say the one thing that would benefit any HR is a couple of things. One, know the law. And if you can go get those education from lawyers or if, if you're uh, if there's like I'm fortunate that, you know, here we have that HR law certificate program taught by law school, a really great law school, by the way. And it's taught by lawyers. Um, I benefited a lot. And I tell this openly to people, HR professionals, like you can't do your job properly if you don't know the ins and outs of law and laws changes all the right. time. So stay up to date with the law. I'm always up to date. 
with a lot, and especially in this pandemic. One day you're open, next day stay at home, and then we're in the lockdown, right? So the laws are, like, right now the laws are ridiculously changing. And if you drop that ball as an HR professional, you're in trouble. <laughs> That's all I can Right. Yeah, so I'm going to take I'm going to take just a moment legal disclaimer. I am not a lawyer. This I'm podcast does not constitute legal advice. Gurpreet's not a lawyer, but she's great. So th- <laughs> great uh, great point well made. It sounds uh, very similar to the UK law and um, I just I agree. Just make sure you have a good employment attorney in whatever mm-hmm. jurisdiction that you're that you operate in. Uh, and and yeah, accountants need friends and so do lawyers. So, uh, you know, um, great, great people. To yeah. Make some, make some partnerships, leverage that empathetic, emotional intelligence to go network with some, some of those folks. All right. Well, we are, we are rounding out time. We're a little bit over time. So I, uh, really want to, uh, thank you again for, for doing this, uh, for round two. Uh, and I want to shift gears and run through the rebel HR flash round. So uh, three questions, rapid fire. Question number one, what are you reading right now? Um, Pirate Shift by Damon John. That was easy because I just started reading it. What's that about? Um, It's about your mindset, uh, shifting um, power, how to leverage. Um, So I just started reading. So, so far what I've read is it's basically having power in every situation in decision-making, how to switch things into gear to get to be in your favor where the individual make a decision in your favor kind of thing so it's all about leveraging power but your mindset i just started reading it i love his books by the way damon john is he's by the people shark he's on shark tank if nobody knows who i'm talking about it's the individual um on shark tank and he goes by the people people's shark i love that guy follow him yeah started didn't he start fubu yes yes he's the uh, founder of fubu um (laughs) i'm an entrepreneur so i do tend to follow a lot of entrepreneur stuff and and that's the other best advice i can give other hr people is learn from other entrepreneurs business all right perfect perfect segue question number two who should we be listening to you (laughs) rebel hr (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean me, like me, me. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks for the shout out. Yeah, I thought you meant like you, like your inner you, right? Oh, like okay. Yeah. Um, it, uh, that is a joke. No, but definitely listen <laughs> to your podcast, Rebel HR. Who should be you listening to? Yes, uh, exactly what you said, inner you. Um, own your power. You should be listening to you. And I, I'm a, I always do this practice to tune the noise out. There's just too much noise out there. A lot of times we get... Um, our decisions or things we want to do can easily get um, persuaded by what's happening out there. And I think I was also getting into that mode a few years ago. And then I was like, oh, I need to tune people out. So you need to listen to you, your inner voice, your inner soul. All the answers are usually in you um, if you tune out the noise. So, yes, you. Got it. Perfect. All right, last question. How can our listeners connect with you? LinkedIn. <laughs> um, LinkedIn's the best bet. And funny thing, we we're talking about this before the podcast started. My passion for LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Best way to reach out to me is LinkedIn. I'll probably uh, uh, reply faster in the DMs. And if anybody sends me emails, I'm probably worse than my emails. But if you DM me on LinkedIn, yeah, you'll get a response within less than 24 hours. So LinkedIn is the best way to reach me. 
Perfect. And we'll have that. Uh, we'll have your um, profile in the show notes, so anybody can click right in there and 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 friend. Great content uh, that you share out there, Gupreet. Really enjoy that you do a live show. Um, yeah. As well, uh, weekly. Yeah, it's with uh, you've been on it. Um, it's with a uh, fellow colleague, uh, Gil. And we started it actually in the pandemic, uh, when the pandemic first hit us, was to help businesses, especially the smaller guys, to navigate through the pandemic. We were we started off doing it five days a week, um, and then eventually we brought it down to, when the pandemic kind of settled, we brought it down to once a week. And what we do is we cover uh, various HR and employee experience topics, and we also have guest speakers, which Kyle has been on a couple of weeks ago, right? You were on our segment two, three weeks ago. No, you weren't. You were great. Um, so yes, that's my LinkedIn. Well, we've loved having you on the on the podcast, and the content's great. Just really, you know, I think really great advice for anybody who's considering HR or maybe is in HR and 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 maybe having some struggles with certain aspects of it. Some, some really great content that you've shared here and, and really appreciate you sharing your experience and your, and your perspective. So um, thank you so much, Capreet, and have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you for having me, Kyle. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR Podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.